President Mutlante, good evening to you and thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us this evening. Good evening, Ayabonga, and good evening to the Metro uh, listeners. President, I, I would like us to, to maybe, I guess, uh, give some context and background here. We do know that uh, there was a convening uh, that was attended by people from a wide cross-section of uh, society and uh, all walks of life, uh, which was aimed at uh, really uh, deliberating and trying to uh, uh, find some ideas on how we could uh, get the South African economy on an inclusive growth path, but also deal with some of the issues that uh, are certainly occupying our mind, issues of land, issues of getting young people into employment. And uh, this session happened in Drakensburg. Just give us some of that background and context, uh, which of course informs this report that was uh, uh, released uh, about a week ago by your foundation. Well, well you know, in the... Uh mid-year of uh, 2018, uh, we were still trying to figure out the extent of uh, dysfunctionality across state-owned enterprises uh, and and municipalities and so on. And and so we uh, felt that, you know, the... South African nation was uh, polarizing. People were beginning to pull in different directions. And, of course, we as a foundation felt that uh, if we uh, get together a cross-section of South Africans who can meet in a safe space uh, as equals so that none should bring a hierarchy of office or uh, any other station in life uh, to those discussions mm. so that we we then brought an intergenerational uh, gathering of South Africans. We brought young people, we brought old uh, veterans uh, and, and, you know, people from all sectors. Really. Uh, the idea was for them just to uh, have, you know, productive discussion about, uh, you know, whether we have a common understanding of where we were at the time and where we came from and, and how to chart the way forward. Mm, mm. It was context, yeah. Okay. Now, now... When you take stock of some of the deliberations that have happened there, and uh, I had a chance to look at uh, the agenda of the sessions that you had and some of uh, the speeches that were given and the inputs uh, that were provided, very rich indeed. Uh, I'm quite interested in, I guess, uh, the recommendations that we arrived at. And maybe let's start off uh, with uh, uh, the uh, big question around uh, strengthening the capacity of the South African state uh, as outlined in the National Development Plan. But more importantly, I guess, uh, really uh, trying to... uh, um, sort of uh, bulletproof it against uh, some of the state capture revelations that are beginning uh, to uh, come into the light now. And uh, one of the things that you've suggested uh, in this report is a potential amnesty that would incentivize and encourage people to come forward and share what indeed has happened in organizations like uh, Bosasa and many of the others. And uh, I think of one, for instance, now EOH, uh, which probably hasn't gone before the Zondo Commission, but uh, based on the allegations that are before it and uh, authorities in the United States, in the case of Microsoft, uh, they probably should go uh, before that. Yep. Well, well uh, the, the, the main recommendations really uh, relating to uh, amnesty uh, is really to uh, encourage 
you know, we have these assets of each unit, uh, and and that if people come forward uh, who have looted money from the state, mm. in, in, in us, if they come forward and uh, pledge to cooperate so that those money could be recovered, uh, they should. Uh, there should be a way in which it could be granted uh, amnesty from persecution. And, and there, of course, the condition for it would be that they uh, really ensure that uh, all the lajes or the uh, <coughs> uh, bounty is, is recovered. Mm. And, uh, so that, that, that's the rationale behind uh, the recommendation on the possibility of granting amnesty. Because, you see, uh, when, when you have endemic corruption, uh, which starts right from the top, right down to uh, local municipalities, uh, sometimes prosecution uh, takes forever uh, without uh, the looted uh, money is being recovered. Mm, mm. So the idea here was that, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, it's better if uh, most of the money is recovered and the fiscal can be boosted by that. Mm, mm. Let's also uh, take a look at something else here, which uh, I think came out strongly. And uh, I want to marry this uh, focus on uh, the fourth industrial revolution and embedding that within uh, the public and uh, the private space in South Africa and uh, the challenge of getting young people into gainful employment or creating pathways for them uh, to go into employment. Uh, You did say earlier on you had a lot of young people there. And uh, I would think you also had many economists there who are really charged with thinking about what kind of structure uh, w- uh, would ensure that the South African economy is able to absorb young people into gainful employment? Hmm. Well, well uh, firstly, one of the points that we really made at the Strategic uh, Forum uh, was that there's high profit being cleaned off hmm. with very little investment taking place. So, so <clears throat> uh, instead of you know, the, these uh, huge profits being plowed back into the economy in order to create jobs. Uh, many of the profit makers uh, just, you know, stash that away in, in, in banking accounts. Uh, so, so the money is not circulating as it should. And, and this model uh, was identified as a structural weakness. Mm. African economy. Now, now, now uh, the, the other dimension uh, relates, of course, to, to uh, the big issue today that would be occupying many of our minds. And uh, this is the question of migration. And, and I often tend to think that here in South Africa, we think migration is a 21st century phenomenon. And yet it's a phenomenon that uh, finds expression or takes root across uh, uh, the entire globe. Uh, yeah. And I'm quite interested in uh, certainly uh, your assessment of uh, one, how the organization that uh, you for many years have served, the African National Congress, has taken to this matter of migration and whether or not it's a helpful one 
uh, considering that uh, the ANC is uh, the governing party in South Africa. Uh, I've argued, uh, certainly, that uh, this is a shift rightward uh, to the right wing of uh, the uh, political spectrum when it comes to the ANC and how uh, it has uh, responded to the challenges brought about by uh, a rapid migration into the country, both internally from other provinces coming to the province of Gauteng and even from outside the country. Well, yes, we have our own internal migration, as you correctly point out, that, you know, uh, statistician general's report uh, point to many people coming out of uh, Mpumalanga, Limpopo, Northwest, Northern Cape, uh, into uh, Eastern Cape, and Free State into the housing problem. And, and he also points out that, however, there's also a migration of wealthy white people who are selling properties in, in, in Gauteng and mm. Johannesburg in particular uh, and moving to the Western Cape uh, province. So we have those kinds of uh, you know, domestic uh, migration patterns. But if, if we look at migrations globally, uh, it, you know, if you go back to uh, Federal Republic of Germany, when the uh, eastern part was still separated from uh, the uh, Federal Republic of Germany, uh, they absorbed many, many people from countries such as Poland and so on, who labor contributed to the strengthening of the German economy. Uh, countries like Sweden, uh, you know, uh, structured their education and training systems uh, such that anybody could, uh, any migrant could land in their shores and uh, they would immediately know what's one. Once they are documented, they channel them into specific, if they have no skills, useful skills, or employable skills, they, they would immediately channel them into uh, one of the training centers for them to acquire the requisite skills so that mm. they can be uh, productive in the economy. The only people that they had problems with were the gypsies who uh, basically don't uh, <clears throat> want to be integrated into productive economies. Mm. Mm. So, 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 so from those lessons, uh, we should have developed a far much more progressive way of how to manage uh, migrations. This country has had migrations uh, for centuries, mm, mm. Uh, if you come to think of it. And, and, and the fact that, you know, before the Union of South Africa was created, we were one people. Uh, you know, the, the uh, young people, you know, get amused when I say to them, before 1966, 1964, there was no border gate between, uh, you know, uh, us and, 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 and Botswana, for mm. instance. Uh, the governor who governed Botswana had his offices in Mafiki. Uh, so, so what we know as Botswana today uh, is what used to be referred to as Northern Botswana Lake. Mm. As a protectorate, yeah. Uh, yes, mm. and what we know as the Northwest and Northern Cape uh, today was southern Botswana. Mm. Uh, so, so essentially, we are one piece. Uh, 
And, and, and you know, the, the, the most eloquent case, really, is that of Lesotho. There are more Lesotho's in South Africa than in Lesotho. Mm. Lesotho is, you know, landlocked inside South African borders. And, and our relationship and how that managed in terms of border uh, crossings and, and, and the right of movement of people and, and goods uh, should, should really uh, be, be far much more sophisticated than what we have today. Mm. Politically, politically, President, uh, it seems to me that uh, here on the one hand there is this commitment that we make in um, all manner of regional and multilateral platforms that our goal as a continent is the free movement of goods and capital on our continent. And yet if you come back to South Africa in this electoral season that we find ourselves in, it does seem, certainly for the ANC, that there's this allure of uh, really trying to, uh, I guess, respond to the very strong urban sentiment uh, uh, on this question of uh, migration, uh, which is being raised by many people and even by a party, I guess, to the right of the ANC, like the DA, uh, which uh, has really, I guess, uh, used this issue as a campaign tool because they know it feeds into existing sentiments uh, that uh, find root in uh, the electoral core. How, how do you balance that from a political perspective uh, and also uh, ensure that uh, this kind of policy returns to the roots uh, of the ANC, which was really about uh, not only the total liberation of South Africans, but uh, Africans uh, as a whole? Well, well firstly, uh, this, this is a reflection of uh, having a weak state. It, you know, and, and that's why it's so important to uh, <clears throat> understand the recommendation which seeks to strengthen the state by uh, ensuring that you know, the Public Service Commission conducts the uh, recruitment for senior positions in, in the public service and, and uh, have the authority, is given the authority to put together panels that it conduct those studies. Uh, in accord, it should be panels made up of experts and, and practitioners in, in, in the line function uh, that, you know, uh, has a vacancy at senior level, at director, you know, general level. I'm saying this because most of what exacerbates the problem of uh, how South Africans relate to uh, uh, migrants is failure to document them. Mm. That's the first problem. If if people are documented, uh, it, it, it's much easier to uh, explain to people for instance, now, you know, uh, housing is regarded as a catchment province, and, and <clears throat> the complaint you get is that uh, their budget and planning are forever undermined by influxes of people coming from uh, without. But mm. if people are properly documented, uh, it doesn't matter where they settle. Uh, and, and, and there can be a way of you know, uh, theoretically and mathematically, anticipating the number, sure. because there will be a, a pattern uh, which, you know, uh, if, if you have the data, you can only... Mm. Well, what becomes the, the, the role of, I guess, the sending countries in that uh, uh, data process, right? Because I, I would think that, you know, if I'm coming from Mozambique, uh, in that process of capturing that data, there would have to be some collaboration between the two uh, uh, nation states here. 
precisely so that you know movement of people is properly uh, managed. Mm. Uh, movement of people and goods uh, should be properly managed. If, if if the data is there, and these countries can actually share the data. Mm. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I, I I always argue that you know uh, if if Home Affairs here in South Africa were to take responsibility for issuing all official documents to children born in uh, Lesotho mm. uh, and, 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 and so on. And that's because that's how you're going to end up with the same data, uh, you know. Okay. And, and it wouldn't matter whether these children end up in mm. Cape Town or in sure, Venda sure. or in Mahike. You know, they are properly documented. President, we'll have to pause there slightly for a second. I'd like you to just uh, hold the line there for me and uh, catch your breath uh, while we take this uh, small break. Encouraging all of you, give us a ring on 089-110-3377 if uh, you'd like to uh, weigh in in this uh, particular conversation I'm having with uh, former President Khalima Mutlante. President Mutlante. Uh, your words yes, there at uh, the uh, land summit that was held by uh, the governing party, the ANC there. And I want us to come to this matter of, of the land. Uh, you, you also chaired a high-level panel uh, looking at uh, some of the legislation that has been instituted since 1994. And uh, one of the, I guess, the contentious recommendations that emerged there uh, f- framed the relationship between local uh, rural communities and their traditional leaders. Uh, and uh, it seems, certainly when I look at your recommendations and what has been happening in Parliament, that uh, uh, there seem to be parallel processes here. One focusing, I guess, on amendments to the Constitution. And yet you are saying, hold on for a second, uh, about those constitutional amendments. There are other structural issues that need to be responded to. One is testing the existing legislation, and the other clarifying the role of traditional leaders. Yeah. Uh, Certainly. uh, I think the parallel processes were occasioned by the fact that uh, even though the high-level panel report was submitted to Parliament uh, by the end of uh, the year 2016, uh, I think Parliamentarians were slow in uh, reading the report. And, and, and so by the time the uh, question of uh, the Section 25 of the Constitution being presented as an impediment uh, to uh, <clears throat> expropriation, uh, there, there weren't enough arguments uh, that could be uh, raised by, by parliamentarians. And so they went along with that and even held uh, public hearings. Uh, but they have not done the one thing that uh, the Constitution enjoined them to do, which is to pass a law of general application mm. uh, within which uh, issues of questions of uh, expropriation in public interest uh, or in, ensuring that all South Africans have just and equitable access to land. Uh, those questions could not be tested. The very law that uh, the Constitution makes provision for has not been passed by Parliament. Hmm. Uh, so that omission and therefore 
Uh, but but why yeah. has that happened, President? Uh, I mean, I would think that, you know, since 1994, 25 years later, you've had about, uh, you know, a few successive administrations in the yeah. parliament. At some point, uh, I think, you know, after the 1999 elections, the ANC had two-thirds a majority in parliament. Why was this law of general application not passed? Well, uh, simply because, you know, uh, people thought the uh, fact that there was uh, a land claims commission that therefore the land question was being addressed. But the land claims co- uh, commission was meant to deal specifically with the uh, <coughs> dispossession that happened to people who could adduce proof from 1913 that uh, they owned land and they were removed from or dispossessed of that land, uh, to the exclusion of all other uh, South Africans who suffered from land hunger, mm. uh, and, and, and given the fact that, you know, the, the dispossession was effected through legislation. Mm. The legislation which essentially excluded Africans from holding title deeds uh, was used very effectively to exclude Af- Africans from uh, land ownership. But there were exceptions. Uh, people who either pulled their resources together and approached a local white priest and or a magistrate to purchase a piece of land for them. Mm. And so their names would appear in the deed office, uh, in the record. Mm. Uh, so these are the kinds of people who once they were forcefully moved from those places, could adduce proof that, look, we actually bought land and we were forcefully removed from that piece of land. And, and, and in many cases, uh, if you take uh, areas in Johannesburg where people had freehold drive to land, uh, townships like Safar Town, uh, Prospect Township, mm. Alexander Township, Many stand uh, holders were removed from there, forcefully so. And, and, and later when uh, the Land Claims uh, Commission did its work, uh, these people were compensated with a pity. Mm, mm. uh, you know, it, it's heartbreaking, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, instead of being allocated land within uh, this province, uh, alternative pieces of land equivalent to what they owned then. They were then offered, you know, uh, I know of some families that were offered something like 40,000. And, and because people are already settled elsewhere, uh, and in fact, these may in many cases were like third generation from the people who were forcefully uh, removed, uh, they end up taking the money. And of course, I mean, there's sometimes a need for money. Uh, we don't live in a society yeah. where people, uh, I guess, just on the basis of the historic fact that they had land, uh, yeah. that uh, they have wealth at this point in time. So uh, cash sometimes is more alluring. Yeah. But, but you see, the, the, the recommendations of the high-level panel uh, also dealt with, you know, security of tenure. Mm. Uh, for farm dwellers, people who lived for generations in farms sure. and, and contributing with their, you know, sweat and blood 
uh, that these people should be, their rights should be and, uh, uh, protected through legislation. Mm, mm. They, they, they don't become uh, easy targets for eviction once ownership of the farm uh, changes hands. Yeah, yeah. President, I, I want us to maybe draw our attention just as we wrap uh, to the African National Congress, the movement that uh, you've served uh, for many decades. And, uh, you know, every day we see in reports uh, all manner of issues, uh, be it around uh, the uh, uh, violence that we see in KwaZulu-Natal, comrade killing comrade, uh, also uh, the uh, contests around ANC lists, and of course uh, the uh, role of the Integrity Commission in vetting some of those people that uh, are found on that list who are seen of uh, to be of, I guess, questionable moral standing in uh, the community. And then, of course, there's uh, uh, all manner of uh, corruption issues that uh, seem to be unraveling in the Zondo Commission, which uh, uh, I guess for the next uh, 18 months to uh, two years is going to occupy our minds. And, uh, of course, we also heard over the weekend uh, allegations against one Ace Mahashule. Uh, what is your perspective and appraisal at this point in time of uh, the ANC as a movement and as a political party that uh, whose task really is to respond to some of the uh, uh, localized and global crises that we face uh, you know, many people are saying, for instance, that if we were to have a cyclone, it die here in South Africa, that uh, not only the ANC, but I guess our political system and uh, our uh, response measures would not be up to the task of ensuring that uh, we don't see the loss of life that we saw in Mozambique. What is your assessment of the state of the movement at the moment? And uh, more importantly, whether or not it is up to uh, the uh, its own historic tasks of uh, totally liberating African people uh, and uh, black people, I guess, uh, in particular? I, I, you know, in, I gave an interview to Sunday Times, uh, and, and, and I said to them that I believe that the ANC is well aware that it is not in a very good shape. And that uh, this election, impending election, is the, probably the toughest that the ANC faces. And, and because of the uh, being aware of its own shortcomings, I said to the Sunday Times, I believe after the election, uh, the ANC will go into deep uh, introspection and reflection exercises, because that's the only way which it can properly identify the cancer that is uh, eroding its inner vital and 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 therefore take uh, corrective measures uh, i i still hold that view i believe that uh, the ANC is well aware that uh, it is really not in 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 in, in good shape uh, so uh, i think this would uh, impel the ANC into going into this introspection and, and, and reflection exercise post-elections. And, and when you think about that introspective exercise, I mean, you've said before that uh, the ANC in many ways has to reinvent itself to be an organization that responds to the needs of people on the ground. Uh, you even use the word grassroots organization. Uh, yeah. Is that, uh, I guess, the, the end outcome that uh, we're looking for here? And more importantly, uh, what has accounted for that social distance uh, that is implied, I guess, in what you're suggesting uh, between the ANC and its uh, main constituency, which, as you mentioned, are the people? 
Well, well, uh, think of it this way, Ayabonga, uh, that uh, you see the heightened uh, campaigns for, for votes, you know, door-to-door and all of this. This actually should be done uh, after the election. Mm. Because most of our people do not only have complaints, concerns, and requests. They also have wonderful suggestions. Uh, whether you, you, you are concerned about uh, how to prioritize your needs and all other uh, social problems, they also have suggestions. Mm. But if, if the only time they have direct contact with public representatives is on the eve of elections, I think it just breeds cynicism on their mm, part. Mm. They, they end up saying, well, you know, we're wondering what's taking you so long. We uh, were expecting you to come. Yeah, yeah. And, and thank you for the T-shirt. And, and they take the T-shirt. Mm. But you actually don't have meaningful interaction. Sure. You see. President, uh, I guess I guess that also speaks volumes uh, about uh, the role of uh, ANC branches in local communities. But uh, we'll have to pause there slightly for a second. I've got one of our callers here who'd like to weigh in on our conversation. And then okay. we'll wrap up on the other side, President. Silo, you're in Balfour. Good evening to you. Chacha, was it? Um, no, I just, yeah, I just want to ask um, from President um, to say, our ANC um, comrades are uh, entitled to jobs and to be in Parliament now. Because there's been so many MPs who are in Parliament and are... Uh, facing these looming allegations of corruption. Mm. So I, I'm just wanting to know from you, is there a policy where says, if you're a comrade, especially you have to go to parliament? Now, it doesn't seem to most of us. Some numbers really do. Okay. Salo? Yeah. I think we've got the point there. Let me take uh, the last caller there. Larato, you are in Tembisa. Good evening to you. Hi, Larato. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Cool, please I would go like ahead. to ask Mr. Glanto um, over there that Speaking of the forceful removals of the Alexandra residents, when did this all this happen and what did the ruling party do about it? Okay. Thank you so much, Larato, for that. Uh, President, <coughs> President, your responses? <coughs> do we still have the president on the line? Ah, we seem to have lost uh, President Mutlante. Let's take this uh, brief break and uh, we'll come back on the other side. And uh, I hope if uh, the president hasn't heard that one, that I'll be able to uh, best translate uh, what uh, those two callers were asking. And if uh, I make a mess of it, uh, do tweet us on Metro FM uh, Talk and uh, we'll certainly clarify that. 23 minutes it is before the uh, top of the hour. Uh, President, uh, I don't know if you would have heard both of those questions, but um, let me maybe uh, just uh, replay it back. The last question from Lerato was uh, about uh, some of the forced removals that had happened in Alexandra and what uh, the current government has been able to do. And then uh, the first question uh, from Sillo in Balfour was uh, around, I guess, cater deployment and whether or not ANC caters are entitled to jobs and what that means uh, for the uh, task as laid out in the NDP of strengthening the state. Okay. Uh, well, the first removal in, in the 50s, from 1953, started off uh, in Sofar Town, uh, 19, uh, right up to 1959, and, and it, it continued in Alexander uh, from the, uh, 1956, right up to uh, the 60s. Uh, and, and these were aimed at uh, because they were conducted under 
the updated Resettlement Act. They were really aimed at doing away with those uh, few Africans who had title dates to the pieces of property uh, they owned, both in Safar Town and in Alexander Township. That was the purpose of it. It was really to, to ensure that no African would uh, claim ownership of a piece of property uh, in, in, in and around Johannesburg because the policy of the government then was that all Africans are temporary sojourners in a white man's land. Mm. That was the, the, the rationale behind it. Uh, and, and so now that we are the lawmakers, we can use the law to correct that. Uh, we should use the law to correct that. And, and this is really the essence of uh, the land question. Mm. And, uh, m- meaning, that it, actually, in the urban areas, uh, the land is being surveyed and properly demarcated. And people have been paying rentals for generations. They should be issued with title deeds forthwith. Uh, there shouldn't be any, you know... Uh, dallying about it. Mm, mm. Yeah. Uh, then the question on uh, cadre deployment and entitlement of ANC cadres to uh, some of the uh, ro- uh, roles within the state. Well, you know, the, the, the recommendation from the Strattenberg Inclusive uh, Growth Forum uh, is that the Public Service Act vests the authority to appoint senior managers in the president, but the president exercises that authority through ministers. And so the recommendation uh, is that the president should exercise that authority through the Public Service Commission, Mm. and that uh, the Public Service Commission should appoint for every vacancy interviewing panels made up of Experts and experienced operators in that specific field, and that those who come through that procedure uh, should not be appointed on a contract basis. They should be appointed on a permanent mm. basis. Okay, President. So, Unfortunately, we have run out of time, and uh, I hate to do this, and I certainly hope that uh, you will accept our invite to come into studio so we can expand and talk about some of these issues uh, a bit more, and uh, I certainly hope that uh, you will accede uh, to that uh, request that uh, we are making. But I really appreciate that you could take time out to speak to us, and uh, I guess uh, on the point of the Public Service Commission, uh, the point really well made, and uh, thank you so much, and have yourself a good evening. Thank you, thank you, and thank you to the listeners. Uh, I am on that. Thank you.